0: and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak with Mary, for whom improvisation is a practice that can lead to a better relationship with yourself. Enjoy. Hey, Mary Lemmer, welcome on the Relating to Self podcast.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: You're so very welcome. So just a quick introduction. You are a person who wears many hats, very much like myself. You say you are a writer, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist, an improv comedian, and the founder of IMPROVE, a company that helps people in their real lives by using improvisation techniques, which is fascinating. And so today I would love to talk to you about how you relate to yourself. but. Since you seem to be really into improvisation, I am going to allow myself to also improvise, as I will not start in the way that I usually start this conversation by asking you what relating to self means to you. But I will start by saying that I just came out of a very intense day after a very short night and I felt so tired and exhausted right before this call and I was like, "Ooh, what can I do?" to relate to myself better in this moment what is it that i need and then i decided to just put on a song and for the people who are interested that was titanium by sia and get <laughs> and i was just dancing my ass off in front of the computer for like four minutes right in time for the call that's how i'm here and so now my question would be for you mary how did you prepare for this call and how do you show up right now in this moment
1: yeah. Wow. Well, great song choice. I love that you did that. Um, it's morning for me here. And I also was really tired this morning and was kind of just like, Oh my gosh, this is earlier than it seemed like when I scheduled it. Um, for me, I do something similar. I, we have an exercise an improv called crazy eights and it involves just kind of moving the body and uh, shaking like your right hand eight times, your left hand eight times, your right leg eight times, your left leg eight times, and then your whole body eight times. And then you go down the ladder like you could do seven of all of those six, five, four, three, two, one. And at the end, you do this kind of dance of, like crazy eights and It's something we do as improvisers before a show or at the beginning of class to get warmed up, get our energy up. And so I, crazy eights is like my morning caffeine. I don't drink caffeine. I do crazy eights. So that, that's kind of my strategy to get energized and get myself ready for whatever's to come next.
0: Beautiful. I love that. It sounds like that's a ritual that you took from this performance practice of improvisation theater, and then you integrated that into your daily life. Would that be accurate?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I will say like, I don't do it every day because some days I Mm. have natural energy and I don't necessarily feel like I need that boost, but I'll incorporate it in times, not always in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon or before a meeting Or a podcast interview of just a little jolt of energy, and to really get what it does is it gets me out of my head and into my body, and and gets me more connected to myself. Right, and and the topic of relating to self, where I'm not thinking about what's on my grocery list, I'm not thinking about the proposal I need to put together or the email that I flag to answer later. It's just like, okay, I am here now. I'm like now moving on to what my present moment is and throwing whatever was in my head before to the side for now.
0: Beautiful. I love this. It sounds like what you're saying is also relating to self for me is more about being connected to my body than being in my thoughts. And I love that. I absolutely agree. A big part of my practice, of course, is also to let go of thoughts and release stories and get back to what's real and what is actually here the body is definitely a great tool for that but i'm wondering if there are any other ways in which you help yourself be more in the now as you describe it or or relate to yourself better
1: yeah there are i mean i do a lot of breath work too um pranayama breathing techniques that really get me in the now um
0: could you maybe just for a second explain what pranayana is because many people probably won't know that
1: yeah yeah so there are different types of breathing techniques that like i'll do some that are kind of different i do different things with my arms and then breathe like a hundred times very quickly Um, one of my favorites is just having my arms up in a V and then doing like quick, uh, exhales and inhales, um, breathing through my belly and doing that a hundred times. And it just, I actually did a little experiment with this during the pandemic. I got one of those pulse oximeters that measures oxygen in the blood. And I would take my number my my count which is from zero to a hundred and you want it to be closer to a hundred I would take it before I would do the breathing techniques and then I would take it after and every time it would be like and I would be like 98 and then it would go from 98 to 100 so it it is super energizing and it's also similar to crazy eights, just a way to get present with my body and where I am, and and kind of not have my head going everywhere. Meditating does that. Like I meditate every morning too, and so that's another way that I come back to myself. And after I do kind of the physical things, I usually journal. Uh, it's something called morning pages that was inspired by Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, and I just write every morning. Um, and that helps get like back to those thoughts, but like leaves them somewhere and helps kind of process like what's going on for me. What am I feeling? What came up in my, I'm a big dreamer. I dream a lot at night. And so it's like, what came up, what's going on. And it has a repository for those feelings and helps me check in not only with my physical body and with the breathing and the crazy eights, but also my emotional self as well
0: beautiful so many things i want to jump into but i'm going to start by saying dreams yeah i did an interesting experiment for a while it's a couple of years ago now i was really interested in dreams and i was trying to figure out if i could perhaps achieve more lucid dreaming i don't know if you've heard Mm. about lucid dreaming but it's just basically being aware of the fact that you're dreaming and then being able to use that to work through certain emotions or do certain things that you've always dreamed of stuff like that and yes. so the, the the first step of doing that practice is by keeping a dream journal. So every morning when you wake up, the first thing you do is you just start writing down your dreams. And then the first time I did that, I think I wrote like three lines or something, and then I didn't know anything anymore. But I did it every day. And then I, after a month, I kind of stopped with this because I was writing for an hour and a half every morning yeah. about <laughs> all these dreams that just kept coming up. And yeah. I was like, wow, this is too much. This is just I can't I can't spend so much time on my dreams. So I'm curious when oh, when you do yeah. these morning pages about your dreams, do you have a similar problem or do you have like a, a healthy balance between your dreams and the rest of your life?
1: Oh my gosh, I can relate to this so much. There was a time where I just like I could have written a whole movie about my dreams because it was so vivid and and so detailed and I could and so I would just be journaling and writing about it. And then I wouldn't be writing about anything you know, else. It would just be the dream. So I, and it became a little overwhelming. Like I definitely have had dreams that when they involve people in my real life and there's something that happens, like I had a dream where a friends, uh, a friend of mine, her mom did something really serious and grave and it was really dark and it was like it, be, it becomes a lot to bring into my conscious world of like holding that. So I, I tend to not always journal everything about my dreams now. What I'll do is I'll pick out just a very specific part of it that felt meaningful to me. That there was like clear symbolism and a message that has been on my mind or or something, or it just kind of made sense. And so last night I had a huge long dream that I remember, but there was a particular part of it that really stood out. And that's all I wrote about in my journal. So that way it kind of gave me a little bit of that balance that I I heard you speak of too, to just not have too much or be overwhelmed by how much content there is.
0: Yeah, and it just makes us aware of the fact that there's so much stuff going on in our subconscious all the time, right? And most of the time we don't remember or we're not aware of it. But then when you engage with dreams, like the stuff that comes up is just insane.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've I've read a few books now on like dream interpretation, and there's it's a whole world. It's really, it's really fascinating t- to me um, to learn more about that. Do you I'm curious if you've ever had any major insights from dreams that you then took into your conscious, waking world?
0: That's an interesting question. I haven't thought about that for a while. I would say that dreams have helped me become aware of certain things that I then needed to examine In order to come to insights. But I don't think I've ever really had the insight itself inside of a dream. Because the dream feels to me as if like it stays in in the felt world. It's all about like emotions and how I experience things. And then when I wake up and I think about it, then I can distill insights or wisdom or whatever you want to call it. But the dream itself remains in this kind of like murky, vague, not really very definite meaning kind of world for me
1: yeah wow that's so that's so profound i think i hadn't ever really distinguished it like that but that that makes a ton of sense now that i think of my own experiences with dreams that it's never like a specific insight but it's something that inspires the insight when i think about it more reflect on it more um yeah thank you for sharing
0: thank you for asking i have a very interesting question and maybe more even like statement from my side about something you said earlier about the people from your real life appearing in your dreams right yeah before we go there i would love to go back to something we were talking about before the the crazy eights and the the pranayama breathing and all that all the the techniques you have to bring yourself back to your body and my question is something i'm struggling with myself how do you decide between using one of those techniques to boost your energy in the moment or, on the other side, to just accept your feeling of maybe being tired or lifeless? Like, how do you navigate that? Because there's this interesting distinction there for me. Like, I want to accept myself. I want to honor what's true for me. And at the same time, I know I have the power to sometimes change my mood or change my energy. And I sometimes want to use that power. And sometimes I wonder, am I forcing myself? So there's this whole interesting feel there. I I wonder what your thoughts are about this.
1: Oh my gosh, I love this so much. Yeah, this is, it's like an art. I don't, I, I don't have like a clear cut way that I make a decision about this. As an improviser, right? We have a principle in improv. Yes. And it's the fundamental principle of improv. It means like acknowledging what your scene partner says and then adding to it. So if I'm like, we're on a rocket ship and you're like, no, we're in a cafe that kills the scene. But if I say (laughs) we're on a rocket ship and you're like, yes, and there's an alien out the window, like now we're on the same page. We've acknowledged the reality of what has been established in the scene so that we can move the scene forward and this is how improv like without a script it's created without a script and we do that through this principle of yes and among other things but i bring this up because applied into life the principle of yes and can really foster this acknowledgement of where we are right that's the yes of like okay i'm tired right now And then the and is, okay, what do I want to do about it? That's where there's a choice, right? How do I want to build from this? Do I want to just be tired and take a nap and go through my day tired? That's totally fine, right? Or do I want to use the tools that I have to do something to make, to build on this and and make a new choice? And, and there's, Like, just like an improv, there's no right or wrong. There just is. It's kind of just a series of choices. And and I do think that acknowledgement of, like, here's where I'm at is a big piece of that. Instead of just ignoring it or not acknowledging the tiredness and just plowing through it, that's where I think the forcing comes before. It's like I'm forcing myself to just plow through my day without taking a moment to pause and say, check in with myself of like, where am I at now? What, what am I acknowledging that I'm experiencing right now? Um, so that's, I guess that's how I see it is it's like, it's like, yes. And for our own like self of just, here's where I'm at and here's what I'm going to do about it. And that could be nothing or it could be something, um, that's, that's totally up to us, which is also, I mean, you kind of get into like where, where do the what where do those choices come from and and what patterns or behaviors or habits influence how we decide if we're just going to stay tired and and sit in that or if we're going to choose right if we're going to be like okay no i've got to be productive today i got to like get work done i've got all these meetings like why why do you have to get all this work done why do you have to go to all these meetings like where did that message or that belief come from like that you know we get into a lot of what you know, what beliefs can influence on in our day-to-day actions too, which I'm super fascinated with the connection between those beliefs that become thoughts become actions, right? If you have a belief that work makes you valuable, going to meetings make you valuable, then your thoughts are going to be like, I need to not be tired and like go to this meeting and and then you're going to go to that meeting, right? And that uh, that's like that's still kind of um you know going through and making these choices but it's influenced by some really deeply held core beliefs that um yeah sometimes make it hard to even uh choose choose in that moment because it's like something else is choosing for you like your subconscious is choosing for you
0: yes and i love this mary (laughs) And it seems to be good
1: job with yes and
0: there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks. It seems to be quite related to the methodology that I use, I guess, um, which I would phrase as seeing what's true, and then being intentional. And it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing with with the yes and. Like yes, I'm tired, and I can do something about it, but I don't have to. And so I hear an intentionality of action there in the way you approach this, which I absolutely love. I also 100% agree with you that there's absolutely no right or wrong in most things and acknowledging where we are is the first step in being able to move anywhere. (laughs) So that's beautiful. And I love also the whole idea of, you know, beliefs leading to thoughts leading to actions, definitely. And so I would say, or I would ask you, um, do you think that this yes and principle for you is a way to re-examine your beliefs and then potentially rewriting those scripts?
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't always thought of it like, yes, and as a way to examine those beliefs. It definitely kind of inspires, it inspires the reflection on those beliefs just for kind of what I mentioned earlier, right? Because it's like, here's where I'm at and now I'm going to make a choice off that. And, and then what, you know, what is driving that choice? How do I decide, uh, what the and is going to be? I think all in all improv is a practice like yes. And being one of several principles, um, improv as a practice is a great way to examine beliefs and behaviors and then break. The cycle and if you so choose right because it is overall a great way to improve self-awareness and notice like how do I show up what are my tendencies what's my core character like and then from there be in a position to make a conscious choice of is there anything here I want to change is there anything here that's not Working for me anymore? Is there anything here that isn't helping me reach my new goals and what and who I'd like to be and who I'd like to become? And then once that awareness is there and that intention is there, you can then use improv to practice whatever the newness is that you want to bring into your life. Right? Where if I'm improvising, and, and we've seen this in some of the leadership trainings that we do at Improve, where We see leaders show up and uh, they're always apologizing, like for things they don't need to apologize for, right? Like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, I don't have, I'm sorry, I can't do this project. And instead of just saying, I can't do this project, I have got a lot on my plate. And so improv reveals this behavior, this over apologizing or this apologizing for everything. And then the person that's apologizing can decide, you know what? I do or I don't want to carry this with me. I want to retrain myself to not apologize for things. I don't want that to be my first instinct, right? And then we can put that person in improv scenes again and have them be in scenes where they don't, they practice not starting with an apology. And usually it takes like three to four times before that habit breaks because it's so ingrained in some of these things that we do that we don't even think we're doing. We don't even notice. Um, it takes a while to retrain them. But once you practice it with improv and practice playing a different character, then you've taught your mind and your body. It's kind of ingrained as muscle memory so that when you go out in the in the real world, um, you're less likely to do this habit that you've worked hard to to change. And I think that's what's so cool about improv because- it's different than just thinking it, right? Cause I can sit and be like, oh, I want to change this about myself or I don't, I want to make a new choice here. But as long as it's all in my head and not like in my entire body and not practice, it's a lot harder. So I've got a lot more um, to overcome than if I get a chance to practice it and improv provides that psychologically safe place to practice new habits and behaviors and beliefs. So I think that's like overall, improv is a great way for examining and changing any core beliefs, and yes, and is a piece of that that gets people there.
0: It sounds to me very much as if your improvisation practice is relating to self-practice for you. And I'm curious if that was something that you knew about improvisation going into it, or is that something that you discovered while doing the practice?
1: Definitely the latter i i didn't know what I had no idea what improv was going to open up for me. I mean, I was a very I experienced a lot of anxiety before I started taking improv classes, and I literally signed up for an improv class kind of on a whim of like, this looks fun. I need to do something that's fun for me because i'd been working so much and and uh, you know it was in my early 20s and just running around. And I was experiencing a lot of pressure or putting a lot of pressure myself and anxiety. So I was like, this will be fun. I need to do something that's fun for me. And then I remember the first class, like it was yesterday, just the feeling, overwhelming feeling of being relaxed. I was like, oh, this is what feeling relaxed feels like because everything... And improv is a gift, right? Whereas in my real life, I was constantly like, "Am I saying the right thing? Like, how do I position this? Like, how do I strategize here?" and 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 kind of seeking this right way to show up and right things to say. And improv was like, none none of it's right and none of it's wrong. Just be you and just show up how you show up, and that's enough. And and so it felt really good and i think over time and the more i did it cuz i kept doing it it was like oh man this feels awesome this is and it was fun and i made great friends through it so there were so many benefits that over time i realized like oh this is what this is what improv is doing for me like beyond training me to be you know an improviser on stage it's helping me understand myself it's helping me understand how i connect with other people. It's helping me, all these things, like all these skills and, and things that I don't think I knew going into it. It was only until I experienced it that I realized that this is what was happening.
0: That's so beautiful. I, I have a question and maybe it's a bit of a weird one, and I guess it will reveal something about me as well. Um, I kind of enjoy having conversations with myself or I should say, perhaps having conversations with my parts, you know, with the different parts that make up my inner landscape. And I'm curious if you, with your improv practice, sometimes improv with yourself.
1: Every day. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What does that look like? I I would love to know.
1: Yeah. Well, it's an approach to my day where it's just taking everything as it comes and and sometimes talking with myself, but I mean, I have a dog now. So oftentimes I improvise with him. You know, I, I speak with him or I make up a lot of songs uh, about what's going on in my day or um, what I'm doing. Just I don't know if I'm like doing laundry. Sometimes I'll just sing about the fact that I'm doing laundry and make up a little song. And that's This resonates
0: so much with me, Mary, but I was literally doing this this morning. I was like making the bed and I was singing about like what the day felt like and what I was doing.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. See, this is for everyone out there that's listening to this, that also sings or talks to themselves, uh, join the club. It's the best. It's yeah, but it is in, you know, life is an improvisation and so many things can come up in our day, when we're alone, when we're not around other people that kind of challenge us to say, okay, how am I going to deal with this? Am I going to just like, you know, how do I want to approach this? And and really when you live like an improviser, you do improvise with yourself, you know, you're problem solving with yourself. You're having a conversation with yourself to say, what do I, how do I want to address this? Like, what do I want to have for dinner? Well, I could have this, I could make this. Oh, but if I do this then I'm going to have to go to the store, right? And so we're, that inner dialogue whether it's in our heads or we're actually vocalizing it is like we're improvising with ourselves right we're communicating with ourselves and I loved how you in asking this question talked about mentioned what I heard you say is mentioning the different parts of yourselves right like the emotional side the the uh you know there's different aspects of us that we can start to see like how we can ask ourselves, like, how do I, um, how does this part of me feel? And what is this, you know, part of me saying, and uh, it can help aid and just self-awareness and understanding. I like to use it when I'm like experiencing strong emotions. Uh, when I'm like afraid of something, I will have a conversation with myself of why are you afraid of this? And then the part of me that's afraid can say like, because it's scary, like something bad could happen. Right. And then the other part of me can say like, what's the worst that can happen. Right. And you can, and I can start to um, learn a little bit more and sometimes disarm that fear. Right. Because I can think through it or talk through it. Um, And I don't need someone else to do that. I can do it with myself by playing these different characters. And sometimes I physically will like move spots in a room, like, like go from side to side so that it looks or feels like I'm actually playing two different characters. Um, That's a way that I advise people when they're first starting out with using improv as a tool for their life. Also, it's fun, you know, you can make up games. And uh, one of the things I love doing, there's these little sidewalk libraries sometimes in different neighborhoods where people just like put books in for other people to take. And I was living in a neighborhood that had a ton of these. So I, I made this game where every time I passed one, I just randomly pick a book and then improvise a summary of this book based on the cover and title. and uh, It's really fun. Amazing. So that's another way you can improvise with yourself.
0: I think one of the ways in which I enjoy sometimes singing about things to myself is that this not only allows me to explore different parts of myself, but I will often surprise myself. The The singing part that comes up somehow is less bound by the rules that I normally adhere to. And hmm. so it's like, it's, it's a part that is maybe more like I would say the archetype of the fool or something, you know, just like playing around, singing songs and while singing the songs, probably saying some hard truths or something like that. But yeah, I I enjoy that freedom that it brings.
1: Why do you think, you know, why do you think that is? Why do you think that freedom comes when you're singing versus when you're just speaking?
0: Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I think it has to do with the fact that singing engages more and different parts of the brain than just speaking. Mm. I'm a professional musician actually from like my background is in, is in music yeah. and I've been a professional musician for two decades. And I remember reading a lot about like music and especially performing music. And one of the things I remember reading is that there is nothing that engages the brain more than performing music, whether it's playing an instrument or singing, doesn't matter. like. A lot of the brain will light up during those moments. It's because it's a very complicated and coordinated action with different body parts. And so I think when I sing that just engages different parts of my brain than just speaking. And because of that, probably I feel more free or more creative. I don't know that's, that's just a theory, but that's what I, what I can think of now.
1: Yeah, that's so interesting. I, I literally just for Christmas I got a gift from my mom it's a book about music's impact on the brain and uh, I haven't read it yet so (laughs) now I'm like oh wow they're even more curious that that makes a ton of sense I I often wonder too with the because improv has this effect on me too when I'm improvising I I'm not worried about things outside of improv right it's very present and with music, it's like, it's hard to be thinking about your to-do list or what you're going to cook for dinner or other things, what's going on in the news or whatever, when you're playing music or performing music. So it's, it, it's almost like there's freedom in that presence. In a sense. <laughs> I,
0: I feel like I need to be honest here with you, Mary. Yeah. I would like to challenge that because having been a professional musician for so long, I cannot count the number of times where I was on stage during a performance catching myself thinking about something very mundane outside of really? the music. Yes, so really? often. Oh, my god! Well, I guess it's a bit like, you know, it's like driving a car in the beginning when you're driving a car, you're super focused on every movement you make. But then after a while, as you get used to it, your mind wanders and it doesn't impact your driving. I think the same thing happens with music. It's like when, it, when you know a piece of music really well, that you know, you can play it by heart, you can sing it by heart. You've done it so many times and you're doing it every evening. After a while, your brain just goes like, wait, I have some free space here to think about this book that I saw today that I would like to buy. <laughs> and then that just happens. No, it's fascinating.
1: Wow. That's so, now I like, I'm so surprised by that, but then it also makes sense because I think of things like you said, driving or things that you just do. So like, you don't have to think about it while you're doing it. And that allows space for the brain to go elsewhere. I just haven't, I haven't ever experienced that music because I'm not that good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's so, so interesting. And do you, when you're in those moments when you caught yourself thinking about other things what would you do would you stay there in those thoughts or would you try to come back to the present moment
0: yeah great question i think back then i wasn't as committed to presence as i am now Mm. so i think very often i allowed myself to just wander in thoughts and i have to say that wasn't always a negative as in a part of me was still present the music of course because you know you you're performing music with other people, so you're you're also continuously monitoring what's happening, you're looking at the conductor, you're listening to your colleagues. All that happens automatically, right? So it's not like you're not present to that at mm-hmm. all. Part of you is present to it, and then another part maybe is dreaming about something else. And this is actually very closely related to an experience that I have very often when listening to music, specifically when I go to concerts. It's almost the same thing, but it's a bit different because I'm not performing but i can listen to a concert and be quite present to the music and at the same time then become aware that a different layer of my brain or my mind is actually thinking about something else and it doesn't impact my ability to enjoy where i am and what i'm perceiving so it's like a, a multitasking kind of thing i guess it's,
1: yeah. it's weird.
0: yeah i'm not sure well
1: and i think in i think it's it, Different with improv because there's no script, right? If you're if you're memorizing lines and you have like rehearsed them and you know like where you need to be and what you need to say and how you need to say it and all of that, it's it's like programmed in you from that rehearsal, then your mind can your mind doesn't have to put a bunch of energy into that scene because it's already done that preparation before and it's just very natural. And I've, I've experienced this as a performer when I've had to memorize lines where it's like, I don't, that's actually in some ways, I won't say easier, but it's, it's different than the amount of energy that goes into improv and the amount of presence that goes into improvising because you have to listen and pay so much attention to what's going on in an improv scene because you don't know, like you haven't, ever done this before you haven't been in this scene before you haven't rehearsed it so i think that's why it's such a great practice for practicing being present and listening to others and and having focus in one space or monotasking because you really if your mind wanders someone might say something you might miss it or they might you might miss the nuances of how someone says something because we're we're really listening, not just with our ears, but with our eyes and like with the energy someone brings into a scene. So that is something that's really unique about improv. Maybe the closest thing in music is jazz, like jazz, improvised jazz.
0: Well, it's interesting you say that. Like, I, I absolutely agree with you, right? Improvisation is the one part of performance where you're absolutely in the moment because you have to be. And a lot of jazz has improvisational elements uh, but not only jazz i can say for example that in my compositions of the later stage of my musicianship i'm I'm a composer uh, most first and foremost i have literally decided to incorporate an element of improvisation into most almost of my all of my pieces exactly because of that because not knowing exactly what the other person on stage is going to do forces you to be absolutely present to what's going to happen and i love that energy i love that that space that that creates on a stage and i think the audience absolutely perceives that as well
1: yeah that's so cool i want to see that performance <laughs> i want to <laughs> see someone perform music yeah
0: i don't think that will happen but anyway i would like to go back to one thing that you said earlier and that i would love to go deeper in it's something that i've been thinking about recently that i have never voiced so if someone's listening to this you heard it here first, <laughs> or well, maybe <laughs> not, but so you said something about when people who are actually in your life appear in your dreams, right? Mm, yeah. And the conclusion I came to recently about relating to others, relating to other people in my life is that most of the relating to others that I do seems to be relating to the parts of myself that these other people represent yes and so in dreams that's very obvious of course because you know if you dream of someone it's very clear that that person is not there it's just something in your mind that represents this person and i tend to believe now these days that that is actually the same in the waking daily life that most of my thoughts around the people who are dear to me my friends my loved ones and so on most of my interactions with these people are not real in the sense that they're not there but i interact with the parts of myself that represent them inside of myself and i have conversations with them in my head basically and so i'm really curious if this resonates with you if this is something you've experienced or maybe even that you can incorporate in in the improv um, performance where you kind of see the other people around you as parts of yourself that you interact with.
1: Yeah, this is such, this is such an interesting way to look at it or articulate it. We, you know, uh, in improv, it's very clear that people are mirrors to us. Right. And in, in dreams, right. Usually people, everything's like, has some sort of, how do you relate to this? object or this color or this um, person and when we improvise what what we believe and what our views are on something or a person are usually reflected back to us and so it's like if I am if I see the world in the way that like everyone's out to get me like everyone has like this hidden agenda well then I'm going to show up in an improv scene and be looking for that right I'm going to be looking for someone like little things I'm going to take that what they do and and make in my brain the connection of oh this is what they're doing they're trying trying to get me they're trying to get my money or they're trying you know whatever it is that's because my character sees the world that way that's my point of view Whereas if my point of view as a character is like trusting and I just assume everyone's good and trustworthy, then when people come into my life, I'm going to notice the things that they're doing in that light, right? Where they come in and they're like, hey, nice to meet you. And um, I'm going to be like, you know, I'm going to see that as like, oh, they're trying to build a relationship with me. They're trying to get to know me and are excited to meet me. Whereas that skeptical character of like, everyone's out to get me might think like oh they're here to you know sabotage my home or whatever right it's like literally the same the same line or the same thing that happens in a scene can be viewed differently by two different characters with different points of view and we see this come to life in improv right because someone can come in and deliver a line like I brought the report and one character might see that as like, oh, this is great. Thank you so much. And see this person is, you know, in in this light of doing what they said they're going to do, bringing the report. And another person might, another character might see it as like, oh, you brought the report. That means I have to do more work. You're trying to give me more work. You're trying to ruin my life. You know, that's, we see this in improv, right? And it all depends on the character point of view. So as improvisers and performers, we know we have the tools to play different characters coming from a place of point of view. We can go into a scene with a point of view and that is influencing our character. It's influencing what we say, how we say it, how we interact in the scene. And then when we take that into our lives off stage. We can recognize that our point of view, the way that we look at ourselves, the way we believe, the things we believe about ourselves, the things we believe about the world are going to influence what we see and notice in other people, in other interactions. And and so it really is, it does come from this place of how you relate to yourself influences how you relate to the world, which is going to influence all of your interactions in your day.
0: I love it so much. This is absolutely what I believe too. And it makes me think of this quote, and I'm terrible with quotes, because I always forget who said them, but you don't see the world as it is, you see the world Mm. as you are. And that's something that always resonated with me, and I agree, most of our interactions and most of our experiences will be absolutely a reflection of how we relate to ourselves. Which is part of the reason that I... You know, want to have more conversations about how people can improve their relationship with themselves because it's at the basis of your experience, basically. So, yeah, this is the mission here.
1: What do you do when you notice that the way that you're relating to the world is if you want to change it? If you're like, oh, I don't, this isn't how I want to show up. Like, what's your do you have anything that you do when you want to change the way that you relate to yourself so that you can change? your experiences with other people.
0: Hmm. Yeah, great question. I think the first place where I look is a kind of shadow work. Mm. If something in the world seems not right to me or difficult, or it bothers me in some way, then the first thing I do is examine which part of me am I not accepting. Mm -hmm. And usually the thing that I see in the world that I don't like is because I have that in myself because we all have everything in ourselves in some way. And I'm probably yeah. I'm probably not seeing that part, or I don't want to see that part of myself, and then that's the problem. So then that's where I look: um, how can I accept that part of me?
1: Uh, you brought up shadow work. That is something um, we do it improve with some of our trainings, where we have people play their shadow characters, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a process to get there for a lot of people if they're not aware of what those are. And, you know, we go through the archetypes and, um, allow people the chance to be something that scares them (laughs) because that's one way to really make it less of this like something that holds you back in life. And, um, it's really, Kind of magical to experience and watch because it really does. It, it just opens stuff up. You can almost like see the light bulb moment for many people when they experience it, and it's really hard. It's really hard uh, to go there to go to that place that scares us. But improv because the stakes are so low, psychological safety's high. So you know you, it's okay. You don't. You don't. Know, you don't have to. You're not. You know you're just doing it to for you to practice it and to go there into that space and feel what it feels like and 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 in doing that it can reduce the the fear that can come or the the uncertainty unfamiliarity because it makes what's unfamiliar a little bit more familiar and in doing that it makes it a little less scary or intimidating Mm,
0: exactly Mary, we have run out of time. Sadly, I have a strong feeling that you may be coming back on this podcast at some later (laughs) stage. Um, I would be very happy to explore some more of these concepts with you and maybe also hear more of your questions. That would be fabulous. But for now, is there anything that you would still like to say or share that hasn't come up yet?
1: Yeah. Well, I I want to start with a, I just have a question for you. Have you ever taken an improv class? (laughs)
0: Um, I have not. I have not. I have done a few like impromptu exercises and stuff with people who had done improv. And I think my biggest connection to improv is when I read the book um, Improvisation at Theater by Keith Johnstone. Oh yeah, which I found absolutely fascinating and it immediately struck me like wait this is not about improv this is just about life right Mm -hmm. Uh, such a such a fascinating subject but I have never really taken the time to dive into it because you know choices there are so many choices to make
1: yeah well what I'm hearing is that it's not no I never will but no not yet
0: (laughs) Definitely, yet. (laughs) definitely yeah yeah I think as soon as as soon as COVID is uh a manageable disruption of our lives, then improv classes is definitely something I would be interested in.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe we could end real quickly with a little improv exercise that we could leave everyone with us that they can try. Cool. Online. Let's do it. All right. Well, this is called first word, last word, and we're just going to have a conversation like we've been having, but maybe with shorter um, sentences uh, <laughs> and we're going to have it with a twist. So every time Uh, I say something, you'll take the last word I say and use it as your first word. And then you'll say something and then I'll use your last word as my first word. And these will just be like one sentence things, maybe about ourselves. Like I'll, um, I'll start off and and just ask you to tell me what something you did today in one sentence.
0: Cool. Uh, Just a question. Do I have to try to make sense of this conversation or can I just be random?
1: It Just be what it will be. Don't just, yeah. Yep.
0: Awesome. So today I danced.
1: Danced? That's so great. I love dancing to music.
0: Music used to be my passion, my life and my profession, but I'm also happy that I moved away from that.
1: That sounds like an exciting time to experience in life.
0: Life is such a mystery, isn't it? But I love it.
1: It really is. And scene. <laughs> um, so that's it. It's uh <laughs> it's a fun way. Sometimes we can feel a little bit like Yoda in these conversations. And
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what most people will notice is that a lot of times they're thinking about what they're gonna say next while someone else is talking. So practicing mm-hmm. this exercise helps us train ourselves to fully listen to what everything someone is saying. And the second thing is it can reveal um, how people support their partner. In improv, we have a saying like, make your partner look good. We wanna set people up for success. And so sometimes when prompted to do this exercise, people will try to trick their partner and give them a really hard last word. And some people are more conscious of how am I setting my partner up? Am I leaving them with a word that's conducive to start a sentence with? And so you can start to practice Uh, supporting your partner and thinking of others while also working on you know whatever you're doing uh, in this exercise it's really about being a team setting each other up for success and, and deep listening that we can practice for our own lives
0: awesome and i think that's definitely also a good practice for life trying to make the people around you shine
1: yes totally
0: mary thank you so much for this conversation i really enjoyed it me too i will post the link to your website with the improve um in the show notes so that people can find you and then i look forward to having you again
1: likewise this was so great thank you so much for having me and um wishing you and everyone listening to this a wonderful improvised life
0: (laughs) (laughs) awesome bye mary (laughs) bye If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks.